T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. The editor-in-chief from Raw Story, Dave Leventhal. Dave, uh, happy I wish the Bills were playing today, Sunday. Yeah, it's like Buffalo's uh, annual national day of mourning and wondering what could have been. So, yeah, we'll all watch the Super Bowl and, uh, you know, probably have a, have a tear in our beer uh, yeah. while we do so. Well, you know, to add, to add insult to injury, this show was supposed to be live from Phoenix, Arizona. Well, you know, just uh, start circling dates on the calendar for for 2024. <laughs> oh, believe me, uh, I'm waiting. I'm waiting to see when that London trip will be. <laughs> but you know, Dave, a lot for you to cover this week, as always. I mean, there's there's never a a shortage of stuff going on in D.C. Starting with um, the State of the Union address, and uh, a lot of takeaways, Dave. But uh, number one, just what would you say uh, you're hearing in D.C. The main takeaway from President Biden's uh, State of the Union 2023. Well, he, you know, he's trying to accomplish uh, a couple of things at the same time here that, that may or may not necessarily be in concert. On one hand, he was pushing back very hard against a lot of Republican priorities and, and trying to get Republicans in this kind of bizarre exchange, this almost conversation or debate or argument in the midst of the State of the Union where he's trying to get Republicans to say, hey, you know, you're not going to cut Medicare. You're not going to cut Social Security. And then people yelling back at him and, and he having a conversation with them. It was pretty surreal, to say the least. And I can't remember a State of the Union that uh, ever has quite materialized in that regard in the way this one did. But then also to calling for unity and calling for the country to move beyond particularly to very, uh, you know, just defining events uh, for the entire nation. Number one, the COVID pandemic. And there's a plan in place that the Biden administration has to end the national emergency related to COVID-19. And the other one, too, is January 6th and trying to unify uh, around a, a path forward beyond that. So, you know, you sort of have your cake and eat it, too, a little bit, Joe. But at the same time, too, I, I think uh, here we are not five days away from the State of the Union, and it already seems kind of in the rearview mirror, and State of the Union addresses in general have a way of being forgotten very quickly. It will be curious to see whether Joe Biden is going to be able to main mo momentum uh, for any of the things that he discussed and he really had arranged. You, you know, Dave, uh, speaking of that Social Security, and I think I have a member of Congress on at 1130, but not quite sure. That's why I haven't promoted it. Um, but the Social Security thing, has there been a real push 
to start uh, addressing Social Security because, and I could be wrong here, the last you know real push I remember was President George Bush right before he lost the 06 uh, midterms. A- am I missing something? Has there been that push on either side of the aisle to address Social Security as it stands right now? Well, sure, There's there's been pushes, but have those pushes really gone anywhere to have some sort of meaningful material change in the way that Social Security operates in this country or is funded or is going to be funded for the future, which is the the biggest, greatest, most existential question that we have here. The answer would largely be no. But at the same time, too, we're facing down a very stark reality that the Social Security Trust Fund and Social Security in general is is going to be running out of money sooner or later. And some of the estimates are, are within 10 years, it's going to become insolvent. It doesn't mean it's going to go away, but it means that it's going to basically be underwater. Uh, other projections put that out well beyond 10 years. But nevertheless, if, if you don't have enough money coming in and you got more money going out, then you're going to face a problem. Anyone who runs a home budget knows that uh, in all too sharp relief. So the same principle applies here at the federal level. And it's really a question of, all right, well, are you going to put more money into it, which entails perhaps raising taxes, or are you going to make spending cuts that are going to basically take money that otherwise would be going to other budget priorities in order to ensure and reinforce Social Security? Or a combination of both. There's really no other alchemy that you can apply and use here that that's going to magically like you know let you win the social security lottery and just punch a you know a whole bunch of money into it that way it's it's got to be in, in you know money in or money out uh and congress is going to face some very very difficult decisions going forward and uh, they're, they're either going to face them up themselves proactively or they're going to have to do so reactively at some point in the future you know, Dave, uh, going back to Joe Biden for or President Joe Biden for just a second, he had the State of the Union address. He gave two interviews this week. You know, I met the gym yesterday, went later than usual. And I, Dave, I love the gym, not only for working out purposes, but it's the one time I can watch the three major cable news networks all at the same time <laughs> and see what CNN is talking about compared to what Fox is talking about compared to what MSNBC is talking about. And one story I was surprised to see on CNN and not Fox News was uh, the fact that President Joe Biden will be skipping the presidential pre-Super Bowl interview on Fox on Fox by Fox News that even President Obama did. Um, I was surprised to see that on CNN. Is that a, a big talking topic around D.C.? Not so much, although it is uh, definitely strange, and you can kind of. Uh offer up a couple of ideas as to why that might be. One is that Joe Biden is trying to, you know, basically go around the country after the State of the Union address and talk about his priorities on his own terms. He probably wants to, at this point, to avoid certain questions, not only about what he talked about the State of the Union, but about his age, about him running for re-election in 2024, a big decision that he is going to have to make and says he's going to make officially, formally, uh, in, in basically the next few weeks. So it, it's his choice. Definitely he's missing an opportunity to speak on a uh, one of the grandest platforms of all, Super Bowl Sunday, when everyone's going to be watching. But uh, he's also got a lot of face time in, in other ways, too. And it, again, his choice to make. 
You know, because I was talking about this on Friday. I don't know who Fox News offered up to interview the president, but I believe, if I'm not mistaken, President Obama did an interview with Bill O'Reilly twice during his uh, during his presidency uh, before the Super Bowl on Fox. So just uh, I thought it was an interesting talking point to see on CNN of all networks uh, yesterday afternoon. It shows you how much politics and in the world, in a way, has changed just in a few short years. Exactly. Uh, now, Dave, I, I said this uh, last time we spoke. I don't know when we'll actually be able to do a, a back and forth and not talk about classified documents. It's not going to be this time uh, because yesterday we learned that the FBI removed not only a document from former Vice President Mike Pence's home, but also I believe um, the Trump people also turned over uh, another uh, document that was marked classified. Where are we on this uh, classified document hunt that is seeing two former presidents and a former vice president? Well, you kind of nailed it. It's not you know, so much a question, Joe, as uh, where are we, but where aren't we? I mean, it seems like everyone who's a former president is having a search taking place, and or vice president for that matter, and, and documents are being found. So these are all very similar situations by virtue of what they involve, but they're different in the sense of, well, how did those documents get there? Why are those documents there? Are the people involved cooperating with the government uh, so that a thorough search can be done? And also to the, the question that is very difficult to answer, if, if you can answer it at all, is what exactly are these documents? What do they contain? What do they say? And because they are classified, there's very scant information as to the totality of what these documents do indeed involve. But it's a very serious matter anytime you have somebody who is not in office and, and basically has returned to being a private citizen in possession of government secrets, that's a big deal, even if they are the former president of the United States or former vice president. Uh, it's the way that our, our government is supposed to work, that you go and you serve, and then when you don't, you don't. And so as a result, uh, there are huge questions as to what, what protocols were put into place. The National Archives, of course, is supposed to be the uh, repository of much of this information. And this is why we have, Joe, a special counsel, in fact, two of them involved, both for the Biden situation and the Trump situation, that, that gives the Department of Justice sort of a, an arm's length relationship with the uh, actual investigation. And having somebody in there who uh, ostensibly is supposed to not have any type of tie to the current president, the current administration, and, and has a, a, you know, a, a degree of independence in order to make determinations about the severity of the situation at hand. Now, as you mentioned, these are classified documents. You know, I have a lot, there's a lot of people out there saying, oh, well, we got to find out what these documents are about. But that's very unlikely that if it's classified, we will ever learn what the contents of the documents were, correct? Yeah, and you know there may be information that that does come out. We, we in fact uh, do have a little bit of uh, idea, at least uh, on the in the Trump situation, uh, that uh, these are you know documents uh, that, that involve various things uh, and that we don't have a whole lot of details about. But uh, just you know, in the past few weeks, uh, we, we've learned a little bit of information about uh, what they might entail. So you know, it, it's. You nailed it, too, there, that these are classified documents. And, and because of that, unless they are declassified, unless there is some point in the future where the status of that information changes, then don't expect to, to have sort of uh, instant gratification as to the nature of these documents. 
And Dave, if we're not talking about classified documents, you and I are talking about Congressman George Santos. And we saw him at the State of the Union right on the aisle. And Mitt Romney had a few words for the congressman. Where are we in this in this uh, George Santos saga? And are we anywhere closer to seeing him removed from Congress? Well, Democrats are having a field day with this, of course, and every time George Santos lies, which basically seems to be almost every time he opens his mouth, then Democrats are are all over him and and basically hold him up as sort of the emblem of the Republican Party, whether that is fair or not. But of course, Democrats are going to do that. Republicans, meanwhile, and it's not just Mitt Romney, there are many others who would love to see George Santos just go away, but there is not, at least at this point in time, overwhelming political will on the part of Republicans to to get him to go. Now, he's an elected member of Congress, so he he can be asked to leave. He It can be recommended to him to step away and resign. But that's his choice. He's, he's a duly elected representative of his downstate New York district. So there is no recall election provision in Congress. So voters can't get rid of him until the next election if George Santos decides to run again, which is an open question at this point. And in the process for removing a member of Congress internally, it it does exist. It's very rare. It has happened. You might remember, if if you're of a certain age, James Traficant, a Democrat from Ohio who was removed from this process for basically just gross, gross violations of of the law or ethical standards or whatever the case may be. And uh, there there is sort of a nascent uh, investigation internally through the House Ethics Committee that is beginning. Uh, There have been complaints lodged with this committee. And and that process uh, will, will move forward at whatever speed it decides to move forward at, uh, which usually with the House Ethics Committee is quite slowly. So could there be a reprimand, a censure, even a removal for George Santos in his future? Sure, but it's not going to happen tomorrow, and it's not going to happen next week. So for the time being, George Santos, barring him stepping away voluntarily, is going to be a member of Congress, and we're going to be hearing a lot more about him so long as he is. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> Dave. It's to me. I, I just, I, I don't get it. Um, you know, if I had so many people, especially within my own party, you know, last time we, we spoke, I talked about uh, New York uh, GOP Chairman Nick Langworthy, also a congressman, um, also calling on him to uh, resign. You got all these people, even on your own side of the aisle, calling on you to resign, and the fact that you can still show up to work every day. Uh, I don't know if everyone at work didn't like me openly. I don't know. Maybe they don't, uh, but openly didn't like me. I, I think that would eventually get. Very awkward to walk, walk into the office. Now, is there more the Republican Party could do to try to out him, uh, you know, oust him from uh, his seat and get him out of his seat from where he is? Sure, you could have Kevin McCarthy on down come out and say, we have lost faith, faith in him. Uh, we no longer support him. He's gone. Uh, it, it, you know, as far as we're concerned, even if he is here, he, he's basically a uh, a dead man walking, politically speaking, here in Congress. And, and Santos has done one thing. He's made one concession, and that he has voluntarily stepped away from serving on congressional committees, which really kind of cuts him off at the knees in terms of his ability to have any influence internally in the committee process where a lot of the work of Congress is done. He said it was to focus on his constituents, but you know, come on, nobody does that and, and unless there's some serious, serious problem uh, and, and everyone else is just fine focusing on their, their constituents. So 
Uh, you know, the Republicans definitely could come yet and in a much more forceful way tell him leadership wise on down to, to go away. Uh, but but that hasn't happened quite yet. And this ethics process is, is really the action that's taking place. And I should note, too, Joe, that that is a bipartisan committee, uh, even even between Democrats and Republicans. And, uh, yeah, it, it often is a protracted process. Dave, uh, we've seen a third uh, flying, unidentified flying object uh, shot down, this time over Canada with uh, help from U.S. forces. Uh, are we anywhere learning more about these um, flying surveillance balloons? I-, I don't know what the one yesterday was. Um, or have we really not learned much since shooting the first one down? Well, I, I certainly wouldn't want to be uh, the, the pilot of the blimp flying over the Super Bowl today. I might, might have uh, second thoughts about your, your career choices, but at least on a serious note for these unidentified flying objects or uh, you, you know unknown aerial phenomenon that are going over the United States and Canada, the latest reporting on it uh, indicates that uh, they are uh, either balloon or blimp-like vehicles that uh, in different forms and shapes have uh, have done effectively the same thing that was happening with the original one that uh, tr- basically traversed the length of the continent before being shot down over the coast of South Carolina. But it, it seems that the policy for the United States right now is uh, it is pretty defined that if any of these things come over our territory and they're, it's safe to do so, that they're going to be taken down despite the uh, protests from China saying, no, 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 you shouldn't do that. And also you should return the stuff that you shot down. Yeah, right. Good luck on that. And, and it, it really just speaks to sort of a broader campaign of surveillance that, again, latest reporting is indicating that, uh, that China is uh, partaking in and uh, is is using to for reasons that are partially known but not fully known uh, in uh, you know basically creating a, a situation where uh, this is going to be a phenomenon going forward and, and apparently has been too for a couple of years based on uh, additional information that was provided to Congress just in the past week. Dave, anything? You know, last week all, all the talk was on the upcoming State of the Union address that is now in the rearview mirror. Anything we should be keeping an eye out for uh, in D.C. in the next uh, few weeks? Well, Congress is uh, going to be very much engaged in the debate uh, about the uh, debt ceiling and about uh, budgetary matters and economic matters. And, you know, on one hand, people probably want to roll their eyes and say, is this still going on? Yeah, it's still going on. And it's only going to get worse until uh, Congress figures out a way to make it better. So if, if you are a leader at the Treasury Department, for example, you are feeling some major, major heat and pressure right now because this is all kind of hurtling to, until it gets resolved, hurtling toward a point where the United States has to be concerned about defaulting on financial promises that is made to its creditors. And the, the full faith and credit of the United States government is basically the gold standard worldwide. And if uh, suddenly we are not paying our bills that are already there, these are not future bills, these are ones that, that we have to make good on, then, then that that's going to be a, a monumentally economically, financially catastrophic uh, type of situation, potentially. So this is something that Congress is going to continue to grapple with until it figures it out. And this kind of game of chicken is that we're we're getting closer and closer to the point where there's going to be a collision unless we avoid it. 
All right, Dave, final question. We're asking everyone this question today. I know it's not the game that we were hoping it would be, uh, but who do you think is going to win the NFL when all said and done? Uh, you know, I mean, Patrick Mahomes uh, has one heck of a story and the injuries that he's fought through to get to the point where we're at, but I don't know. I think the Eagles are going to pull it out, and I think they're going to win their second Super Bowl in, uh, in the last half dozen years. Well, all right. So in the first hour of the show, we have one KC vote, one Philadelphia vote. We'll see what happens. Dave, as always, a pleasure speaking with you, and we look forward to hearing from you at 6.50 Tuesday morning. Likewise. Hey, thank you, Joe. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 